My name is Vida, Sister Prince. Today is Wednesday, May 5th, 1993, and I'm interviewing Salima Jones on her life for the Oral History Project, Race and Memory in St. Louis. This is my independent study supported by the Missouri Historical Society. Salima, um, let's begin with who lived in your home when you were growing up. Okay. It was my mother and father and three older brothers. Okay. We had relatives coming in from time to time to live with us for a couple of months to a couple of years. Yeah. Where did you fit into the family age-wise? I was the youngest. You were the youngest. Yeah. So uh, what was the difference in your brothers? You, you were, give me the rundown from the oldest names. And okay, the oldest is Richard. Well, like if you if he was ten or something. Um, as far as age goes, yeah. as I said, I'm the youngest. Kimas is three years older than me. He's he's just over me. Kyrene is five, and Richard is eight years older than me. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so your mo mother and father. Yes. All right. And um, uh, did you have grandparents that were yes. there? Yes, um, my grandmother on my father's side and my grandfather on my mother's side. Okay. Uh, where did you live? I was raised in Cross Square Village, downtown. And um, tell me about Cross Square Village, what you remember. Um, um, we moved in Cross Square Village soon after I was born. And it was the we didn't know it as a project mm -hmm. at that time. It was just Cosgrove Village and a wonderful place to live. Because it, as, at, I think that was the first time that many blacks were really exposed to a living room, dining room, and then bedrooms. Because all, you know, all the kids had uh, separate bedrooms. And well, you were born in what? In 41. In 41. Yeah. Okay. And so I had my own bedroom as far back as I can remember. Um, it was just a nice place to be. It, it was a nice, it was a nice community when I was growing up. Uh, you planted flowers in the spring and and all those wonderful things. You had a swimming pool. I never learned how to swim, but you had a swimming pool, was a it playground, outdoor. Outdoor. Yeah, a playground. Um, you had an inside community center. They gave awards for the best yard in the summertime and the best decorated house. Um, as I said, it, it was a, you didn't go on poor or whatever. It was just didn't a go nice, on you know, you weren't considered poor uh -huh. just because you lived in Carsquare Village. That was like the best place to be. Yeah. What, what street was it on? I lived on Cole Street, 1617 Cole Street. Okay. It described the buildings, were they, were they was it? They, they were brick. Two stories, and one story, five Up stories. to three stores. Three stories. We lived on the second and third floor. Mm -hmm. And where we lived, it was um, a three unit. The, the one unit had, it was a two bedroom, and it only had the first floor, and the next unit had the uh, second floor. Mm -hmm. And they had uh, two bedrooms, and then ours was the second and third floor, and we had three bedrooms. So it was like a little house? Yes. Mm -hmm. 
uh, what was around in the neighborhood? Well, on Coal Street was the beginning of Car Square Village. So across from us were the Cold Water Flats. We had um, the little neighborhood store. There was also a junkyard further up the street on Cold Street. Um, there was a place never thought of. Uh, we always just called the Trouble Station. Mm -hmm. Because whenever a streetcar broke down, they would go out with their big trucks and work on the streetcars. I never realized it didn't know the name of it. We just called it the Trouble Station. Mm -hmm. All right. And so you, you're, you could walk to the grocery store? Yes. It was like a little, little mm -hmm. town? Yes, the grocery store was right across the street on the corner. There was a little confectionery that okay. also sold a sandwich and, and things. And everything was right there. There was a uh, cleaners up the street. Everything you needed was right there. And did you, um, did, 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 I've heard, you know, like if you got in trouble at school and you were coming home, everybody sort of knew, knew it. about it. Yeah. Was it that kind of place? Yes, yes, it was. Everybody knew about it. Everybody raised you. Uh, there was no talking back to adults. Anybody, any grown-up you saw, you wouldn't do anything wrong in front of them because you knew you, they knew your parents, and they would immediately come over and tell on you. Or they would chastise you and even spank you. Yeah. And, um, you know, other parents didn't get offended by that. It was, it was the way it was, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Um, where did you attend school? I went to car school, which was right in Car Square Village, and it went from kindergarten to fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And when I finished there, I went to Patrick Henry. Okay, tell me about car school. To me, it was the most beautiful school in the world. When I, when I moved back into the village um, 30 years later, I saw that it was just a regular school, mm -hmm. but when I was coming up, the floors always shine. They had a little balcony in the kindergarten, and it was it was just beautiful. Um, I had good teachers there. The teachers knew my parents. It was right in the area. If you really if you were really bad in school, they followed you home. <laughs> Wait, let me just. Did some of the teachers live in Car Square? There were one or two who lived in Car Square. Okay. Um, would you would you have wanted your children? Would you have wanted Kim to go in there? Oh yes, yes. It 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 was like I say. You knew everybody. You, my parents, knew everybody. Everybody knew each other. Mm -hmm. uh, if you said I want to go to a friend's house and you gave the first name and said what's the last name, and they would say oh the Jones over on O'Fallon. Or no, it's two sets of Jones, one on O'Fallon, one on Biddle. They just knew everybody in in the complex. Um, so you walked to school? Yes. Um, all right, then you went to Patrick Henry? Yes. Um, Patrick Henry was further away. Now that I look at it, it really wasn't far away. But it was considered further away from us. And that went from the fifth grade to the eighth grade. I was there maybe a year. And then we moved on St. Louis Avenue. And I transferred to couple school. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. I went to um, couple school and from there to Benton School and then high school. Benton's on Kingside? Kingside West. So, were you, so then you moved? Mm -hmm. Okay, you're on St. Louis. Yes, we moved in 52. How did you feel about moving? It was exciting. Um, never moved before. <laughs> And at that time, it was uh, moving west. <laughs> it was like you're going out to California. We're moving west. And um, St. Louis Avenue was considered out west. And I was really excited. Didn't Really didn't know what to expect. We had not seen the house or the neighborhood prior to moving there. Only my mother and father had. And we moved late at night. And so there was really nothing to see. We, we moved in, we went to bed, and the next morning, at the time my cousin was staying with us from Mississippi, and she was two years older than me. And, and you we, were 11 then? 10. 10? Mm-hmm. 41 is 52. Yeah. Okay. And um, we decided to, we, first we explored the house, and it seemed like a huge house at the time. And then we went outside, but once we got outside, we were really afraid to go for We just looked up and down the street because we didn't want to get lost. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was um, a couple of days before we saw any of our neighbors, and everybody was white. We said, it's all white people out here. <laughs> and we had never lived around white people, you know, the only time I can really remember whites or insurance men coming into the neighborhood, the, the corner grocery store, um, the people downtown. But being that close, living that close, I had never experienced anything like that. And hadn't really thought too much about it until then. Your parents had not discussed this with you or anything? Just that we, well, we knew that white people lived out west, that blacks were just beginning to move out there. But I guess we still weren't really prepared for having them as neighbors, having to have conversations with them, or even possibly playing with the kids. We hadn't anticipated. We were just moving to a house. Right. Yeah. Okay. So? <laughs> <laughs> After we got there, what well, we did have, our neighbor next door to us uh, was black. So there were one or two? Yeah, I think we were like the third family in the block, third or fourth family in the block. Well, how did, were there children, there were children on the block? Yeah. Well, tell me uh, how that went for you. We didn't have anything to do with them, and they didn't have any anything to do with us. We would see them in the neighborhood, and that was it. Um, if I can remember correctly, it was only the family that was directly across the street from us that had really had kids my age. Uh -huh. And the others were older, so I wouldn't have had anything to do with them anyway. They were teenagers in, great, in high school or something like that. Um, was this your first time to, this was your first time to be around? Did you, had you gone downtown with your mom? And yes. But I mean to actually interact, mm -hmm. to be that close in to him. In a position to interact. Yeah. But I would go with my father to work sometimes, and everybody there was white. All the ladies that worked in the hat factory were white, and they would call me over and 
sit me on their lap and, and talk to me, but that that's still a different kind of thing than running into kids or, or real people, you know. Uh, the people that work with him, they, I didn't consider them real people. You know, my mother dressed us up to go down there. And um, so this, this was something really strange. We, we just didn't have anything to do with him now as far as the, the adults or the older people in the block. They talked, they were, they were nice. They talked and, and introduced themselves to my parents. And uh, in time I started going to the store for them and running errands for them and things like that. Did they have children? No, no. Just the older people? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, the kids across the street from us that was in my age group, eventually we got to the point of, of playing with each other. They would invite me over to play and I would invite them over. We, we would play some, but it was, they, they were very curious about where are you from, and they wanted to touch my hair and touch my skin, and, and I never will forget one day they were doing the touching, so I decided to touch them and, and touch the hair. I had never felt white hair, and my mother saw me, and she had a fit. <laughs> she told me to come home. I said, I've been not ever catch you doing that again. You know, what are you doing that you, you're acting like you're admiring all that? And it, it was, I was just curious, you know, they were doing it to me. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see what they felt like and, and everything else. And so the next time I, I, I can still remember them touching me. And what, and what did, how did that seem to you? You know, I, I couldn't explain it to my mother what was going on. Uh -huh. I didn't. I didn't admire them. I didn't think they were beautiful. I thought they were different. So that was okay with you. You it, you felt okay doing doing that with yeah. them, getting yeah. Yeah. away, exploring. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But she didn't see it as that. She, yeah. when she saw me touch the hair, she thought that I was admiring mm -hmm. the hair and the length of it and everything else. The what? The length. The length. 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 Yes. Okay. Um, I had short hair compared to, to white hair, you know. Mine came about at the end of my neck. And uh, that was that was a thing with my mother and I guess it's something that passed on to me because as a kid you were considered uh, having good hair or bad hair. And good hair in in the black community. In the black community. Okay. And good hair was hair that was similar to white hair, that didn't need pressing or, you know, all the things grease and everything that black people use, and that was considered good hair. My mother always hated that phrase. Good hair. Good hair. And she said, "Why does anything good have to be related to white?" And she said, "Your hair is good." That's what she would always tell us. Our hair was good. Mm -hmm. Where would you hear you have good hair or bad hair from? It's at school or everybody. 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 You know, if a if a new kid was born, the first thing everybody wanted to know was what kind of hair. Well, all babies had the same hair really, until they start getting up to three or four months and the hair starts changing. And but it was what kind of hair does the kid have? That was always very important. Always very important to black people. What else would it have been important to black people when a baby was born? That was the main thing. The, the, the color didn't matter a lot. They would always want to know. You could always tell what color a baby was going to be 
by looking at the tips of the fingers. And if they were dark, then you knew the child would grow up to be dark. And if they weren't, then the child would be light. This yeah. part of the tip? Yeah, around here, around the cuticle oh, area. Around the cuticle. Mm -hmm. That was one of the areas you looked. Is that, that's really true. That's yes. not like an old wives' mm -mm. tale. No, that's really okay. true. Okay, well, there's so many of those old wives' tales for everything. Um, well, that that's uh, all right. Um, so when your mom got upset like that, um, what what did you think inside? I mean, how did you? It was a little bit confusing because that's how you describe somebody. You know, if you wanted to describe a friend, well, what does she look like? Well, she has long hair and, and thick braids. Or she has long, pretty hair. And pretty hair meant that it was straight or naturally curly. That was the only way that you could really describe. You know, they have short hair. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the same as light. And um, there was light and kind of light and brown skin and dark. And people did discuss that. Yes. Within within the black community. Yes. Um, did you um, did what happened with your with your little girl across the street? Did that come up again with your mom or in any no, way? No, because I, I never did it again. But I mean, did you play with the yes. little girl? Yes. We continued to play off and on up until they moved and let's see. I guess they went to Catholic school. Well, at that time, schools weren't integrated anyway. Um, until they moved, and I guess we were about the um, seventh grade or something when they moved. Would you say you were friends? No, not really. Just somebody that you, you played with. Uh -huh. What kind of things did you play? We jump rope, the usual tag, uh, play with dolls. Did she come into your house? No. Did you go into her house? Yes. Yes. But, um, hmm, no, I can't ever remember her. Hi. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I can't ever remember them coming into the house. I went into their house a couple of times. Then my mother told me that I couldn't go in their house. And that was the reason why. Now that I remember, yes, they couldn't come in, so I couldn't come in. And I could play in the yard with them. And they had the swings because it was, it was a bunch of kids. It was like ten kids in that family. Oh. So they had swings and sliding boards and everything else that I didn't have. And so I, I'd rather go over there anyway to play. Mm -hmm. And um, and they would come over and and play in my yard on the front porch. All right. Um, so. You went. You were going to school. How was Patrick Henry School going? I really wasn't there that long to remember too much about it. Um, I really wasn't there. The only thing I can really say that I remember about Patrick Henry, I got caught chewing gum in the line, and I had to stand out, and I got a whipping. And then, yes. And um, they had rattans then, they call them, that they would tape up to really whip. 
And that was okay? No, I didn't think it was okay, but my mother not, did. <laughs> not with you, but it, that was done in the... Yeah, in the school. In the school system. Yeah. And uh, the other time, a girl chased me home with a grasshopper. I've always been afraid of butterflies, grasshoppers, all those things. Mm -hmm. And we were out for recess, and she came up to me with a grasshopper, and I ran all the way home. We were at recess. When I got home, my mother was standing outside, and I knew that I would get in trouble for my mother for coming home from school. So I turned around, and I ran all the way back. By the time I got back, the bell was ringing to go back to school. <laughs> I want to ask you one more question about this. this uh, I don't mean to dwell on it, but your mom wasn't, she wasn't upset with the little girl across the street for wanting to, to touch you. She was upset with you yeah. for thinking yeah. that she wanted to be like that. Um, okay, uh, did, did you ask any questions or how did you know that because uh, you, you lived in Car Square Village where everybody went to the same school and everybody was the same. Now you've got children across the street going to a different school than you. And did you, did you know that already? Uh, no. That there was segregation like that? No. No, I didn't. Um, my parents really didn't know. When you bought houses then, you just, you wanted to own a house. And you wanted to move to a good neighborhood. And Black people then just blindly bought houses. Uh, the West End was better, so you went there and you bought a house. We didn't know well, until... That's not really blindly, is it, if you know that that's a... But that's all you know. I see. That's all you really know. That's where people are moving, and that's where it's better, so-called. And so when we moved there, here was a school right on the corner. And we didn't know that I couldn't go there. What school was it? That was Benton School. The Benton School. My parents didn't know that until after we moved there. And then they found that I had to go to couple school, which was about seven or eight blocks away. So even though there was still segregated schools, they, we knew that. they didn't look into the fact. Right, that, yeah. right. You know, they kept thinking that there's a school across the street, but they hadn't really investigated. And um, so I had to, here I was 10 years old, and I have to walk the seven or eight blocks. The school in the beginning, my mother would walk me to the corner, and you could actually watch somebody for a long distance. And she would watch me and go to school, assuming that I was safe. Was it considered safe in, in that area at that time? Yes. Yes. The only, I was afraid of dogs, dogs and cats. That was the only thing that I was afraid of. And so I had to be watched because I would jump out in the street in a minute to get away from an animal. <laughs> and uh, after I had been, I guess we had been there at least a year, and they turned Benton over to blacks. It still wasn't integrated. It oh. was just turned over to blacks. Oh. It became a black school. And 19. Let's see, that must have been about 53. 53 or 54. Oh. Mm -hmm. And um, so I went to Benton because schools actually start integrating in 55. Yeah, the law yeah. was passed in 54. And did they, did they begin that quickly to be integrated? It, it, was, it started sometime in, in 55 because I know my brother was involved and they started with the high schools. Yes. And then they came down to the grade schools. So Benton was still a black school at that time. And my brother was in the first group 
of uh, integrated schools. And then I came in 56. Ex wait a minute, help me. He was in the first, where, where did he go then? He went to, he went to Soldan. So he was in the first group of integrated schools? Yeah. At mm -hmm. Soldan? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, so then you went to Benton and it was, so yeah. Um, how was Benton? It was it was nice. Uh, as far as school goes, I've never been that excited about mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, school anyway. Um, you know. How were your books, and how were your? They were leftovers. Rarely did we get new books. I I distinctly remember that. Although school, they were they were usually leftovers. They came from Central High and all the others. Um, you know, the markings were in there where they had come from. Rarely did, did we get new books. You know, I can remember too, and I tell people that all the time during the winter months, the one we were living in, Core Square Village, and when the weather was bad and they would give out the report of school closing, we would sit there every morning waiting for Car School or Patrick Henry. White schools were closing then, public schools. <laughs> but our schools never closed. And I remember saying that, boy, I wish I went to a white school so I wouldn't have to go to school. <laughs> and, uh, but we, our schools were never closed for any kind of weather, and we had to go to school. I wonder why, what that was. <laughs> Did you ever have an explanation? No, my mother would say, you know they're not going to uh, close your school, so get up and start getting ready. <laughs> But we would sit there. We would sit there all the time and just hope <laughs> that one time they would call our school and say, no school today. But it never happened. Hmm. Okay. All right. Um, uh, did you have a favorite teacher? At that? Was there anybody that... Yes, hmm. I did. I had um, a teacher by the name of, um, let's see, Miss Brown. She married later on, her name became Parker. And a couple of years ago when I checked with her nephew, who was my classmate, she was still alive. And I had said I was gonna go by and see her and I never made it. But she was my favorite teacher. Um, was this, this was at Benton? No, this was at, at Car School. At Car? Yeah. And everybody was crazy about Miss Brown. What, what, what was it about her? I don't know, she was just, she taught you to learn. Uh, she didn't take anything off anybody. But you still loved her. Everybody loved her. Her sister lived in, in, in Car Square Village. And her sister had four kids. And for some reason, she took two, the two oldest, a girl and a boy. And her sister had the other girl and boy to raise. And um, her nephew went to school with me, and we were all in class together. Um, my brothers had gone through her. Everybody just loved her. And we stayed in contact with her for a long time. Okay. All right, now, now we're to church and how, how that impacted on your life and what part did it play? Hmm. I never liked church. As far back as I can remember, I never really liked church. Oh. I guess just having to sit still that long. And I never understood what the preacher said because at that time, um, black preachers used to 
They never spoke this thing. They, and our preacher, the Reverend MacDonald, he said, <gasps> every time he said something, and it would just drive me crazy. My mother would make me sit there. And everybody would say, hey, man, and uh, amen, and hallelujah. And, and I never could understand, because I, I never knew what he was saying. Never knew what he was saying. And the only thing I ever liked was the singing. But it was something I had to do. I learned to play hooky from church, and I was real young. <laughs> you were real young? I was real young when I started uh -huh. playing hooky from uh, church. I guess about uh, eight or nine years old, I started playing hooky. My, my aunt stayed on Dayton. The church was on Dayton. My aunt stayed down the street from the church. I can say that really I was raised up on Dayton and Cross Square Village because I spent a lot of time, we all spent a lot of time in my aunt's because my mother's father lived with her. And all of his children were very protective of him and spent as much time as possible with him. So we were there all during the week. And on Sundays, we left early Sunday morning. We rarely got on a bus or a streetcar because my mother did not believe in paying money for something like that. And we had a rear wagon, and they would fill it up. Whatever my mother cooked for dinner, she would pack it up early Sunday morning, and we would pull this wagon up Biddle Street to my aunt's house on Dayton. And they would unpack all this food and then send the kids off to Sunday school. And after Sunday school, you came home and you were given a little something to eat. And then you had to go back for church. There was like a half hour or something in between. And that's when my mother and, and all the other grown-ups would go to church and have the arm around you to keep you in place and everything. <laughs> and you were, you were all dressed up pretty yeah. And And um, this was Baptist, you said yes. your mother was. Mm -hmm. What was the name of the church? Prince of Peace Baptist Prince Church. Peace. It's still standing in the same location. <laughs> but that man's <laughs> No. <laughs> not there. Um, did your father go? No. Loaded question. <laughs> no. No, he did. My father, I can only remember my father coming to church. If I was in a program or if there was a funeral or death, it had to be special occasions like that. Otherwise, he didn't go to church. He, The boys usually went to the temple with him. Now, explain that because we did say before when I started mm -hmm. that your father. Yeah, my father is Muslim. And um, he usually kept the boys with him anyway, because boys are harder to manage and everything else. And then I stayed with my mother most of the time. So when it came to religion, it, it was the same thing. He went, the boys went to the temple with him, and I went to church with my mother. When they had special feasts, then my mother and I would go to the temple. Or sometimes they would have uh, special classes in, in the Muslim religion. And then I would be allowed to go. That was usually in the evening. And I would be allowed to go to the temple with them. On some occasions, my brothers would have speeches at, at the Baptist church for Christmas or, or Easter or something. Mm -hmm. but how, how did that work out with the two different religions? As I said, did you know, it was just my brothers went with him and I went mm -hmm. with my mother. There was never any, any problem. The two religions never caused a problem until later years. Later years, my father began to really resent Christianity. 
and uh, couldn't understand why my mother had to go. Before, when they got married, the religions were different, and it was kind of like a pact. Okay, so it was. It wasn't until later. Yes, it, it was much later. I guess the um, in the last twenty years, my father just really started having a thing about religion. I, I, I think one of the problems might have been was that his group started fading away. Uh, when when the older people who were more committed, when I was a kid, there was there seemed to be at least a hundred in the temple. And then there was a temple out in Richmond Heights and there was a, a was temple someplace else. Was it on Evans in the beginning, Evans Avenue? No. Mm, no. We walked to it in, in Cold Square Village. I can't remember where it was downtown, but we walked to it. It was a little storefront place, but they still had a lot of members. But as time passed, the younger ones didn't continue in it just as it is today. And uh, so they began to fade away. Right now, the, the temple, so to speak, consists of two people, <laughs> my father and one other man. Now there's some, there's some, there are a few people out in, in Richmond Heights still, mm -hmm. and uh, a couple other places, and they keep talking about getting back together and, and trying to increase their membership mm -hmm. and everything else. My father, his, his religion was founded by, they always said founded, but it's still based on, on the, the real Islamic religion, was founded by Prophet Fahamidin. And he had been in World War I. The Prophet? Yes. And he had been, been stationed over in the East. And he learned about the Muslim religion. And he came back and he set up his. And he, he that, wrote a book. Okay. Was that, he wasn't local? Yes. Oh, he was. Yes. Local. Mm -hmm. I I don't remember his 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 original name because they all took on Muslims name Muslim names and had them changed legally. But his Muslim name was Prophet Fahamidin, and he came back and he taught it his way, just as Farrakhan teaches it his way and everything else. There are a lot of Fragmented groups. So, so your father does not particularly believe what Louis Farrakhan believes. The basic belief basic he does, belief. yes, and and that's about the extent of it. Um, as I said, did 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 when you say losing ground here in St. Louis, their particular group, their particular group, did some of that particular group go over to the other group? No, I don't think so. As I said, uh, my father is, is 81, will be 82. Mm -hmm. So all those people who were in that, for his age, are older. Now, there are some grandkids now who still remember, or, or children who remember from that and who meet occasionally. But as far as the original group, I, I think my father's probably the only one left. Did your brothers? Uh, be become Muslims? Are they now? You know what is really strange? We're nothing. <laughs> my my second brother, Kyrene, he considers himself no he doesn't because he goes to an Episcopalian church with his wife. But he also considers himself uh, Muslim too. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but we ended up with no strong religious ties once we became grown. But None you, of us. But he gave you all. The yes. Husband. Yes. Uh, and you said that over the phone you told me his name is Habib. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your mother, did he give her a name? No, she didn't take up a Muslim name. Um, when he's, he's got a lot of different names, your dad. Yes, yes. Habib Dihak. Dickie is a nickname. Um, so how does he like to be addressed? Habib. He really likes Habib. Mm -hmm. He's comfortable with that. Um, Well, were you living in the home when that began to make a difference? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you care to talk about it? Um, yes, it, it was just a lot of arguments. He, as I said, I, th I think the problem was that his, his, the following had gotten so small mm -hmm. that they were no longer effective. And Christianity was continuing to grow. My mother's church was continuing to grow and everything else and he could not he was never able to convince my mother to change over after we got grown and didn't have to go any place he couldn't convince us to go sometimes after a lot of pleading and we're going to have a feast i really would like for you to go and would you please dress up and come and go with me then i would do it occasionally and when kim was little i would take her to some of their feasts or, or whatever they were having but um, I just wasn't religious, um, and, and and I guess the 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 two. Even though if I decided to embrace a religion, it would be the Muslim religion. Um, yeah, it it would be. It would definitely be. Does your father know that? Yes. Oh, well, mm -hmm. that, that's nice. <laughs> that, <laughs> Well, it, I'm sure that does make him feel good. He feels that maybe someday you, that you will. <laughs> um, did you do anything special at church? Were there, you know, any activities besides what you? Yes, had, I had. That you liked? I, like? I have an older cousin who is seven years older than me. And she was like my babysitter. And because I didn't have any sisters, that was this close mm -hmm. to being a sister as I ever had. So I was with her a lot. She was active in church, so I was mascot to everything in church, to the junior choir, to the junior usher board, to, to everything else there. And eventually, you know, I became part of the, the little choir and, and all those other things. Um, it was something I never liked. It was just something that was expected and, you know, you didn't say I don't want to do it at that time. Yeah, no. You just you just did and said when I get grown I won't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can if you can hold it that long. Um, all right. Um, how'd you spend your free time as a child, uh, other than playing in the neighborhood? Was there anything else that you belonged to? Was there was there anything like scouts at school? Or no. Or? No. I'm sure they must have had scouts in school, but I never belonged to them. We always had to come directly home from school, even when I was in high school. I always had to come directly home. Um, 
and I never belonged in any after-school activities there. You know, you if you got out at 3.15, you were expected home no later than 4 o'clock. Because? That was the rule. You didn't question the rule. That was just the rule, you know. It's, things are a lot different now where you can say, why? But you didn't say that then. It's because I said so. You didn't even, did you, oh, well, you questioned it. Yeah, so yeah. You if you said something, it was because I said so. Mm -hmm. And that was it, and you knew not to go any further than that. Uh, so we didn't do anything. My um, my father spent a lot of time with us. Um, my mother didn't spend a lot of con constructive kind of time. I guess she was saying she really didn't. Um, but my father did. My father was very important to me in growing up. My father taught me about black history. He always hated Black History Week, because that's what it was then. And he said, you can't condense everything in one week. He hates Black History Month now for the same reason. So he, he talked about the Muslim religion. He, t he taught us about being black. How did and he teach you about being black? He would just say that, that you're beautiful. I never, I never considered myself ugly. You know, I just never did. And it was something that I really didn't teach Kim. She told me just a few years ago that that I didn't know that I was beautiful. And I said, oh, You're right, you too, you too do look very much <laughs> And I told her, I didn't think I had to tell you that. I thought it was something that you knew. But when I was coming up, I was dark, I had short hair, I was skinny, I was a crybaby. And I guess my father needed to reassure me all the time. And he used to call me the princess of the Nile. Uh, and he would say, when somebody says, uh, where are you from? Tell me you're from the Egypt. You were born in Egypt along the banks of the Nile. And that's what I always said to people. And I've had, I had cousins on, on his side of the family tell me much later on, say, you know, you were really an ugly kid. But your daddy thought that you were so beautiful. And he just insisted that everybody else thinks so. And she said, you know, we used to say, yes, she really is a pretty kid. I said, but she really isn't a pretty kid. <laughs> he doing to us, you know. But he, he always told me that. And but as I said, I guess... He probably thought you were. Yeah. You well, I looked just like me. him, so he had <laughs> But, you know, beautiful kids were considered the light kids with the long hair and all of this, and I didn't have any of that. Mm -hmm. So if he hadn't told me that, I would not have grown up thinking that I was beautiful. Yeah. But according to his religion, that yeah. wasn't beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you were was yeah. beautiful. And, uh, you know, he, he taught us. My, my mother did. She took some time in, in teaching us about uh, black history. Because, amazingly, many years ago when my mother was in school and my father was in school, they taught black history. You know, it, it, it wasn't a thing as it is now that we need a black history course. You were naturally taught black history. My mother and father knew more about black history than I'll probably ever know. And um, that's, that's how they raised us. My father was, my mother and father both were avid readers. They loved to read. Uh, my mother read more trash, Erskine, Caldwell kind of stuff than my father did. And my father always believed in the library. We got a library card as soon as we were big enough to read or write. 
And just as we got a social security card, as soon as we were like 14, but that was just mandatory. You got a library card. On Monday nights, the downtown library stayed open late. So when he get off from work, he would gather all of us and we'd walk down to the library. And everybody had to get a book. You had to get some kind of, it couldn't be junk either. You're talking Car Square. Now. Yeah, in Car Square Village. And you got a book. And you had to read the book. You had to be able to tell him something about it. Well, naturally, we fluffed a lot of times, read beginning and end. And the next week, we took the book back. And he would get several books. And we would get another book. But that was, that was an adventure, too, because the, the library was just huge. But then here I am, five years old or something, you know. But that's what we did every Monday night. And my father was always liked to play games. So we played uh, checkers and Chinese checkers and different card games and all, all kind of games as kids. We didn't have television. We had radio. And then they didn't believe in us listening to a lot of radio because they thought there was a lot of garbage on that. And so we, we had to play these games. And I hate games now. <laughs> None of us play games. <laughs> but it was, I guess it was discipline, you know. We had to play these games and my father was really into it. And I could never win. What kind of games were they? They, they were different card games or whatever, whatever was popular at the time. Was he interested in your schoolwork? Yes, yes. But my, my mother was the one that kind of stood over the schoolwork mm -hmm. and wanted to make sure it was done and, and done correctly. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I hate to say this, but, but my mother and father were very smart. Uh, before my mother died, her favorite show was Jeopardy. And she was, that's, how do you know that? You know, how do you know that? She said, you read, you read, and you read. And she didn't finish high school, and my father only finished eighth grade. And But she loved Jeopardy. Her what, specialty what, was geography. What were you saying? I hate to say this, but my mother, oh, you mean you hate to brag? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That, that well, they just. It's wonderful <laughs> to think that they were smart. <laughs> my mother took Latin in school mm -hmm. that long ago in, in a black school, in a one-room schoolhouse, really. Where was she from? Uh, Tennessee, Jackson, Tennessee. And I can remember her saying she had a teacher once that she just loved who had traveled all over and would tell about Chicago and New York. Her, the teacher's husband worked for the railroad, mm -hmm. so she traveled a lot. And as a matter of fact, she wanted to adopt my mother, and her parents wouldn't, wouldn't let her go. And uh, so my mother always wanted to travel, and she got a chance to do that too. She did? Yes. But she knew a lot of history. She knew a lot of everything. Well, were you, did that allow you to have friends at school, the fact that you couldn't uh, do anything after school? Yeah, I still have friends at school. Um, but then all of my relationships, are, and I guess it's really based on the way I, I grew up too, because even now, um, all of my best friends, I maybe see once a month or less than that. But we talk on the telephone a lot and they're my best friends. Mm -hmm. If I need them, they're here. If they need me, I'm there. And uh, hmm, yeah, that's, that's how it's been. <laughs> okay. uh, when, you were, when you were a child and you got sick, um, how did you get your medical treatment? My mother. It was, it was always the 
home remedies and things like that. I can, and I was a sickly child. I don't know all the illness. And I let my mother die, and I never had her to explain one particular illness. She always said, I thought I was going to lose you. And I was sick, and this red wagon that we carried food in, mm -hmm. they used to transport me in, in this wagon. And um, one time we were, they said we were going up Biddle Street in the wagon, and this lady was on her porch, and she stopped my mother, and she said, that baby's been sick a long time. And she gave me something. She did something. They started taking me there every day, and I got better. Whatever she gave me, she got out of a pocketbook. <laughs> to this day, I only know the pocketbook lady. <laughs> but she always said she was my godmother. And after I got better, we would still stop every week so I could see the pocketbook lady, my godmother. I don't, to this day, I don't know what I had. Uh, but, you know, my mother always said, I thought I was going to lose you. We had tried everything, but she never took me to a doctor. I went to a doctor, oh, maybe, maybe, I guess I went a couple of times, but it was, it was usually for a cut, something they really couldn't handle, that you went to a doctor. Other than that, it was different home remedies. Um, um, how were you first aware that there were people whose skin was a different color than yours? From the very beginning, um, you know, the, the store owner, the uh, insurance man, those those are really the, the main ones. Those are the only people I came in contact with, except for the people on my, my father's job. Well, let's talk about the people in your, well, you told me about that, if there's any more, or when you went downtown mm -hmm. with, your, with your mom, and what did you go downtown for? Do you remember? Not that much. When, when I was real young, when, whenever my mother took me downtown, it was always a blur. She had a special mission. She didn't wander and shop. Mm -hmm. She had something to get, and we got it, and that was it. Um, what I really remember about downtown, I guess when I was about five or six or something like that, my, my aunt, my mother's oldest sister, who didn't have any kids, she would go downtown every Saturday, and my cousin June, one who's eight years older than me, would go with her, and they would carry me. And my aunt would, and June would split up paying bills. Uh, June would have to go to the electric company and the gas company, and my aunt would go to uh, Carson Union Maystone to pay the furniture bill. And then we would, we would meet up at certain places. We always ended up at Thomas Market. And at Thomas Market, um, well, at that time you couldn't you couldn't sit down and eat at these different places. And my aunt always had to have this hot dog, and she would buy us this hot dog. I never remember having anything to wash it down with, but we had the hot dog, and we'd have to go over in, in like a dark corner to eat it. Well, as a kid, I'm getting a hot dog. <laughs> That's all I care about. I'm getting a hot dog, you know, and I'm getting some of the other kids are not getting. And uh, and then as as I began to get a little older, my cousin June would take me downtown when she was shop, and we would go to Kresge's. And they had they had the one lunch counter where, where you could sit down and order a meal. 
and then they had the two other counters and one was white and one was black. That didn't bother me too much because the black counter had the stools. So I always figured I was better off at the at the black counter. And I said, why are they standing? And she said, I don't know, but that's the white counter over there. We can't go over there. And um, so that's how it was. I, in, in going to the stores, I really didn't have a lot of interaction with the people in the stores. Because my mother primarily shopped for us on Franklin. That's where most of the shopping was done. The clothing stores, the shoe stores, all those places were on Franklin. She went downtown where she bought something for herself. Who, who owned the stores on Franklin? They were white. Mm -hmm. And how, how, did, how did you view them? Um, in no special way. At, at, at that, you, you weren't taught a lot about um, segregation or, or anything like that. You know, as far as like not going to the counter, you were told you couldn't go there because you were black, and that was it. To the counter. Yeah, but you you didn't question that beyond that. You just didn't question a lot of things. And going to the stores, I never had a problem. The people knew my mother, and they knew me. And when we would go in the stores to shop for school or Easter or whatever, you know, uh, they would just say, "Oh, let's see, you've grown a little bit," and they called me by name. And, you know, so I really didn't, really didn't know. And, and I guess it, it was really when I learned more about uh, race differences and the real differences in, in blacks, among blacks themselves, I guess, when we moved out on St. Louis Avenue. And um, it just, Things were just a lot different, and I was 10 then, and I was beginning to really notice, because I'm thrown into this whole new arena where everything around me is white, everybody is white, and I'm seeing these white faces all the time, and the white kids would, would get off the, uh, the bus on the corner to transfer, and it was like, I've never seen that many white kids at one, at one time. Um, so... So that was uh, that, and, and then in the schools, when I got to, to couple schools, the, the little light kids, they were always usually children of doctors, lawyers. They were always light with long, good hair. And um, because blacks at that time who were light tend to marry other light-skinned blacks. They wanted to meet as close to white as they could go and still be legal or still accepted. And at Benton, they made a big difference. And I, I think that's when a lot of my feelings changed. They made a, a lot of difference. Yeah, the, the schools, the teachers, the black teachers. Let's not learn about the real difference in, in black and white. I mean, or blacks among blacks, because they put the lighter kids up in the front. Mm -hmm. So they made you feel that, that lighter was better? Was better, yeah. And the black, the darker kids were put in the back. We were talked to differently. We were hit immediately. And the other kids were never touched. That's, that's when I began to hate teachers. you know. And I guess that's, that's the beginning of, of um, my whole build up as it is now. Um, 
speaking my mind and, and saying what I have to say to somebody. Um, I, I remember soon after going there, you know, I was immediately put in the back. And I was from downtown, so I was assumed to be dumb because I was down t from downtown and I hadn't lived in the West End. And I remember the teacher saying something to me and I gave her a smart answer and she called me up. And part of your punishment was to be whipped in front of class. And she hit me a couple of times with this rattan. And Where did she uh, hit you? On Marian. You had to pull your skirt tight and bend over a desk. In front of the boys? Yeah. And when she hit me, I, I always had like a twist to my walk, a switch to my walk. And she said, uh, don't go sashay into your seat like that. I said, this is the way I walk. And she said, well, you come back. I'm going to change the walk. We went on, I don't know how many times she hit me that day, but I was determined I would not cry. And she would call me up, and I told her, I said, your hand will get tired before my butt gets sore. My butt was so sore when I got home, and I couldn't dare tell my mother what happened. You know, because the kid just wasn't believed at that time either. And, uh, but it was like the whole afternoon spent with me. And I was swagging even more after each lick when I go back to my desk, and she would call me back. And it was, it was from, from that point on that I just didn't take any stuff off of anybody. And I said what was on my mind. How did, how did the other kids relate to Well, um, the other kids just would just laugh. It wasn't them, you know. And um, I said, that's, that's, that's the beginning. Selena, were you a loner? No, not really. Not really. Because you were pretty strong there. Yes, and, and as I said, I, I wasn't really like that until until we moved out in the West End. Mm -hmm. Were you aware that when when they said you can't sit there because that's for whites, were you aware that that had a name, that that was segregation and discrimination? No, no, I wasn't aware. And, you know, it's really... You just thought there was a, or what did you think? That's the way it was. Mm -hmm. And you didn't give a lot of, you didn't give a lot of thought, like I said, you did. He didn't ask a lot of questions, mm -hmm. and and I guess maybe parents didn't really know how to explain it. Why do you think you didn't ask a lot of? You weren't allowed to. I see. I can remember one one year we went to Tennessee, my mother's hometown, and we had to go to the balcony in the movies, mm -hmm. and I said, "You all have to." come to the balcony to sit and watch the movies. We can just walk in the door and sit in every place. And I just, how can you stay in the South? You ought to come up to the city. And I can remember as a little kid just really showing up. And it wasn't until I was grown that I realized that we could walk in the show, but it was a black show. <laughs> and it, it was when I was, I think I was like 14 when they integrated the movies here. And um, I went down to Low State the first time, that first week that they integrated the movies. But up until then, I, I thought that we were better off because we could sit downstairs. But <laughs> it was a black movie in a black neighborhood, so you could sit in. <laughs> what was the movie that you saw? Do you Not as a stranger. I went there with my uh, sister-in-law, and I begged my mother to go. Oh, I want to go, I because I want to see what their movies look like. 
And my mother gave me some money. Well, when we were coming up, we did not look in the paper to see what time a movie started. My, my daughter falls out at this. We just went to the movies. You went to the movie anytime you wanted to. And when that spot came around, you got up and you left. <laughs> <laughs> and all the movies had two clocks. And it would have the time now. And then the time when everything is over with on the other clock. For the sake of the tape, uh, <laughs> Selena's daughter is Kim. She's referred to her once. And uh, Kim is 30, 31. 31, yeah. Mm -hmm. yes, but, um, uh, you know, you, you just just walked in and you sat down <laughs> and you just sit there until your part came up and you said let's go you know and everybody started. <laughs> so what was it like going in there? Um, well the first thing we, we, you had to stand in line and you were standing in line because you had to wait until the movie was over before you could go in and I thought we were standing in line because we were black and so well, they got us standing in line she said everybody's standing in line but she really didn't know the reason why. You know, we mm -hmm. gradually learned this. And when we when we got our ticket, I took the regular fare that we paid, which was a lot cheaper than the big movies. And so I had to be under 10 or something for that. So he said, to how old are you? And I said, 10. He said, you look bigger than 10. I said, well, I'm 10. And he said, when were you born? I said, 10 years ago, because I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and here I am in a bra. <laughs> and I'm saying, 10. So everybody laughed, and they just let me in there. you know. But we didn't know the price. I think we paid something like 15 cents, and it was like a quarter there. And, uh, but that was my first time going to a movie, and, and it was just grand inside. And... Oh, I said, I'll never go to the Marquette or the Criterion again. <laughs> um, did your parents, did your mom finally go to those things? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what work did your family, did your dad do? You told me he worked in a hat factory. Yes, he, he worked in a hat factory. Up until shortly after we moved out on St. Louis Avenue. I don't see. Well, I moved on St. Louis Avenue. My father was making $35 a week. Moving in the house, my mother used to always say uh, two notes. She had a balloon note and something else at that time that he that he had to pay. But he worked there in, in the uh, shipping department, packing hats and purses to uh, be mailed out to different places. Do you, do you happen to know the name of the company? Um, I can't think of it now. It's down on Locust, on 14th and Locust. But he did take you down there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I would go there, all the white ladies would, come here, Salima. <laughs> they would uh, give me, I always carried a purse mm -hmm. all my life because he worked in the purse and oh, hat so factory. Yeah, and I always wore a hat. And when I would go there, everyone would give me a hat or a purse or something. And when Kim was born, I took her there for, well, he no longer worked there, but I took her, I used to take her there as, as, a, as a little kid, mm -hmm. and they would take her through the same thing. Um, shortly after we moved on St. Louis Avenue, my father went to work for a state hospital as a janitor. And um, he was there a short time before the city called him on the trash trucks. 
and he worked there until he was called to the post office as a mail handler, and that's where he retired from. But in between, my father always had extra jobs. Even when we were in the village, he would he would come all out in this area on his bicycle. My father didn't learn how to drive until he was in his forties, mm. and he went every place by bicycle. He went to work every.